The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hello, everybody. I'm so glad you could tune in today and join me for the conversation. I'm on the phone today. Unfortunately, I don't know what's going on with our connection. So I don't know. We might try to reconnect at the break. Um, We'll see what's going on. But at any rate, I'm on. I hope I hope that uh, you guys can hear me. So I wanted to share my conversation today because the book that I've been reading is so important. It's called Sensitive is the New Strong by Anita Morjani. And there's a, a little bit of history with Anita that I just wanted to share. You know, I first met Anita back in 2012 when she had written her first book called Dying to Be Me. And that book is her incredible account of her life-changing near-death experience. And it went on to be a huge bestseller and changed the course of Anita's life. And I know that I've, I've told this story before on other shows. I actually was talking about it yesterday on the Healing Power of Grief show. But I'll always remember when Anita called into Dr. Wayne Dyer's radio show that he used to do every Monday when I was at Hay House. And really, that connection was kind of a catalyst for her jumping into the world of being a teacher and a speaker. And I'm pretty sure that that wasn't part of her life plan at that time. But I just thought it was so cool when Anita called in and I saw her name come up, which I didn't know who she was, of course, but it just said Anita from Hong Kong. And I thought that was so amazing that someone was calling us from Hong Kong. So we've had had this connection. I've been a fan of her work for so long. And now her new book that we're going to be talking about today, Sensitive is the New Strong, The Power of Empaths in an Increasingly increasingly Harsh World. So if you've been told that you're an empath, you're too sensitive, you're a doormat, you're, you're always letting things get to you, well, there's some reasons behind that, and there's ways that you can really manage this. So we're going to talk about it. Anita, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that we can get in touch. Thank you so much, Diane, and I will also never forget that day, that first time I called in and connected with you, and then after that, I met you, and um, so, yeah, it's it's been 10 years since that time, and it's so great to be here and talking about another book. <laughs> I know, it's hard to believe, right, that it's been that long from the first book to now, and just everything that you've been teaching over the years... I mean, I, I always think that you, you're one of those people that were kind of called to this work just so authentically. I mean, you never planned, of course, for any of this stuff to happen. You know, you put out your story of your near-death experience on a blog that Dr. Dyer happened to read, and then there was this connection, and then, you know, the rest is history. So I've, I've always loved that, you know, that there's just such an authenticity about what you're teaching and what you're sharing because it really comes from the heart. And I, and I really got that from reading this new book, The Power of Empaths in a Harsh World, Sensitive is the New Strong. I think people are really going to love this material. And I know it really comes from 
a, a special place from from you within you to share this. <laughs> Thank you. That's that's what I I feel because I was thrown into this world, into this world of. Um, you know, of, of, of having an, a big audience and sharing my story. And at the time I was thrown into this world, I didn't realize I was an empath. And it's a discovery I made much later. And interestingly, it's a discovery I made after Wayne Dyer died. And, um, and I realized that it was going to be tough to navigate this world. Like when I, at, at first it was just a realization that, wow, um, this is this is going to be interesting because historically I've I had been such a people pleaser, and so if you're a people pleaser and you just have a family or a community or whatever, it's already bad enough. But imagine if you're a people pleaser and you're out in the public eye, and there's social media and there's like thousands, tens of thousands of eyeballs on you. What happens is even though I'm aware that I have a people pleaser and I'm aware I had an NDE where I was told to go live my life fearlessly. There's still a part of you that really feels it when you get criticism, when you get critics. And, and so what happens is that you kind of focus on um, when people are mean or, or critical towards you, even though it might be one out of a thousand, you kind of focus on that one when you're super sensitive. And so I started to realize that I need to figure out some tools to to really be able to navigate this terrain, ter- this terrain. and uh, so that was kind of the start of it. But it took me on this really deep journey, which I will get into as this uh, conversation unfolds. Right. I mean, you had probably never even heard of the term empath, right? Right. I had never heard of it before a few years ago, like maybe just four or five years ago is when I started to come across the term. Until then, I had never heard of it. I didn't know uh, that that I am an empath and that there are empaths who literally feel and think differently. I thought, at, up until that point, I thought that what I felt and thought like anybody could be taught or trained to be more empathetic. I mean, which you can. You can be more empathetic. But I didn't know that empaths were different. I didn't know that. Right. And what's so interesting is that just over the past few years, there's been a lot more, I guess, research or awareness or recognition being done on even the fact that empaths exist, you know, that it's really a thing. I mean, uh, Dr. Judith Orloff has written about it. Um, some other people have written about it. And people are starting to realize that the light bulbs are going off, like, oh, you know, this really explains so much. <laughs> you know, this explains why I'm feeling these things, why I'm having these issues, why I'm having these physical issues. So I think it's been a real revelation for a lot of people over the past few years, you know, what it really is. So just to let people know that are listening, what would you say is your definition of the word empath? Um, So to me, I describe an empath as somebody who actually feels things within their own body. So, So you have sensitivity, like people who are sensitive and they are aware of other people's emotions or they're intuitive. Empaths are not only sensitive, they're one step further. They actually 
feel it in their own bodies. So if it, and and they don't always realize that what they're feeling in their body doesn't belong to them, that they've actually absorbed someone else's energy. And so you could be sitting next to someone who is feeling really down, and then suddenly you find yourself feeling down, and you kind of wonder, hey, you know, I wonder why I'm feeling really low and um, just feeling really, like, down. And you won't realize it, but you've just taken on the energy of somebody who's really close to you, like they could be physically sitting close to you, or you could be in a crowded place and just absorb the energy. And so... um, So that's one element. Another element I've noticed is that people actually experience physical symptoms. I I mean, I remember when I was a kid and I didn't know I was an empath, I was watching a movie where there was this scene of this woman who's in a car crash and she goes flying out through the windscreen and it was really, um, it, it impacted me because her face got all cut up and everything. And then shortly after that scene, I started to faint, and I started to just black out. And I was with my family because I was about 15 years old. And none of us put two and two together and thought that it was because of that scene of that woman flying through the windscreen. Um, Nobody associated that as with me feeling faint because it was like all of a sudden I was feeling faint and blacking out and my mom was saying what's wrong are you okay and then they thought maybe my blood sugar is low and so I was given a piece of candy and and then and and some water and and so and then I was fine 10 15 minutes later I was fine my mom didn't need to take me to the doctor or anything but I later like now I remember that scene it's like when I was um when I was looking back at my life as I realized recently that I'm an empath, it suddenly struck me like, oh, wow, things like that. That, was, that scene affected me physically. And, um, and when you don't realize it, the thing to do is to realize it so you can mitigate it, which is what really this book is about. But also I started to notice, you know, as I looked back, I was able to associate so many things in my life that didn't make sense to me, and they now suddenly made sense. And um, one of the things that um, that that I, I wanted to say also is that um, some time ago when I started to identify that I'm an empath, somebody actually said to me that I, I don't like labels, and, and they said to me that I always, it's something I always said um, in, from my near-death experience is that we are all connected, and at our consciousness level, we are all the, the same, and and we are all uh, like nobody is better than anyone. We shouldn't judge anyone. There isn't anyone who's better or worse than anyone else. So so they were feeling that when I say I'm an empath, I'm separating myself and I'm labeling myself. Well, actually, the way I think of labels, and I don't like to use labels, is that a label is something that limits you and boxes you in. And a label actually makes you feel small and it restricts you and it confines you within that label. Whereas if something like realizing you're an empath actually 
frees you and liberates you and makes you understand yourself better, then I don't consider that a label. It's a description. It's something that um, is part of your journey in learning who you are so that you can live a bigger and better life. So I wanted to make that distinction before anybody thinks that um, calling people empaths is a label. It isn't. It, it isn't a label. It doesn't make them worse or better. It's like just describing a person's trait or a quality. Right, right, and a way for people to understand themselves better. And actually, you you understood this more after the, the near-death experience, and then you described a really interesting encounter with uh, a spiritual teacher at an event where he kind of pulled you aside and, and shared some information with you. Um, about being an empath, and, and I was hoping you could tell that that story. Oh, um, y- oh, you mean when I yes, when when I was in Costa Rica, yes. So I was at a spiritual ceremony, and this um, this shaman. So I was in a room with about forty people. Then there was about forty of us in this spiritual ceremony, um, and the shaman was like walking around the room. Um, he was banging his drums, and then we were all lying there on our mats, like in a meditative state. But the shaman stopped when he got to me, and he stood over me and he said to me that I would like you to come to the front when this ceremony is over, and I'm going to do a special healing on you because you're different from everyone else. And so I was surprised. I was thinking, I wonder what's wrong. I wonder what he's found in me. And so then when I went to the front and I sat in front of him, he then started doing something that he called like a cleansing of my energy. And he said to me, has something happened to you in your life? Because it seems like you have a special purpose. And then, then I told him a little bit about my near-death experience. And he said, you've been given a second chance at life, and you have a purpose, but you haven't been using your ability to the best of its uh, ability, and you haven't been using it as best as you can, because he said that um, you have the capacity to help a lot of people. But the mistake you're making is that as you are helping them, you are absorbing their energy and depleting yours by giving yours to them and absorbing theirs. That's not going to work. You can't keep doing what you do uh, if you do that because you will only get sick again like you did the first time. So he said that I had to really learn how to uh, continue to expand my own energy while helping other people to expand theirs without actually... Uh, depleting mine by helping them and without absorbing theirs when I'm helping them. So he basically said, I'm going to cleanse your energy now, but um, when you go back out into the world, you really need to... Like, he didn't give me any... um, How would you say? He didn't give me any tools, so he did something for me uh, during the ceremony, but he didn't give me any tools on how I could keep doing it for myself. And that's when I realized, oh, gosh, there are no tools out here for people who do the kind of work I do. I have to develop them myself. And 
So, and something that I don't write about in, in, in the book is that I started to kind of research that um, are there any, like, are there any other people, like, do, are there any mentors I can follow who are empaths who are in leadership roles or big roles who are out there helping people, talking to people, healing people, or, you know, who have a sort of a, a biggish life that I could follow as a role model and see how they do it. And as I started to rack my brains for empaths who are out there in the world, the names I could come up with were, say, Mother Teresa or Gandhi or um, uh, Edgar Casey is another one because he helped a lot of people. He was healing a lot of people. But the one thing I noticed um, that they all had in common was that they all died either poor, destitute, or sick. And so I thought, wow, this is interesting. They allowed themselves to get to this kind of state because they were giving and giving and giving of themselves. Like Edgar Cayce oh, died completely depleted of energy and sick, and he was poor as well. And I started to realize that this is a common problem with empaths. And so, um, and I thought, gosh, and the world needs empaths. They need to be out there. We need them to be safe and abundant. And, and if we want the world to have empaths, we need to support that. And I also realized I didn't want to die poor, destitute, and sick um, if I wanted to be out in the world helping people. So I needed to develop tools. And that's kind of been the driving force behind this book. Right. And you offer some really great information and tools in here, different meditation exercises, different ways that we can you know, consciously protect our energy. And, and we can get into that too, you know, a little bit later um, in, in the interview today. But you know, it was so interesting for me reading this, that you have a great quiz in the book that I urge everybody to take when they pick it up. Well, I hope everybody reads the book because I, I really loved it. And the quiz helps to put people on what you call the empath spectrum, you know, so you can figure out where you are. And I took the quiz, and I thought it was so interesting. So I scored in the 20 to 28 range, which puts me in the empath category, but not to the point where I am really debilitated by this. Yeah. Um, but I would like to learn, you know, how to use it more to my advantage because I do I do feel things very deeply. I, I seem to be the one, like in my family, I, I always say I'm like the one that's the dumping ground. You know, everybody calls me for, you know, when things <laughs> hit the fan, you know, I'm the one that they call. And, and I, but I like that role. Like I, I want them to do, to call me. I want to be of help. And I, I think that, I, or I feel that's how they show their love is that they know that I'm the one, like I like to be the one that, is in that position, but it does come at a price. You know, you do feel depleted and, and you feel sometimes hopeless. Um, and some of the things like you described with the movie scene, like that uh, has never really bothered me. Like you mentioned Game of Thrones. Like I love that show. <laughs> that was one, of my, <laughs> was one of my favorites. So um, I'm okay with things like that. And actually I'm kind of interested in like the dark side of, you know, why people do what they do or psychology. And I'm interested in reading about like criminal behavior and, and things like that. So that doesn't really freak me out. But I mean, what, what do you find in the people that you work with when they take the quiz? You know, are they surprised like where they fall in the empath category or? 
Some of them are surprised. Some of them are surprised, but many, many of them uh, have already suspected that, that they're an empath. And so when they take the quiz, it's like a confirmation. It's like, oh, see, um, I knew I was. And then they feel relieved that, okay, here are some tools that can help me to recognize the gifts of being an empath. So where... um, so, so this book actually focuses a lot on the gifts of being an empath. And where my book, where this book differs from, say, Judith Orloff or Elaine Aron, both of them um, did amazing work to actually research uh, and put put the word empath on the map. They kind of paved the way for all the other empath books that have come out. So I loved that they did that because they actually provide clinical research and everything. Um, so it makes it a lot easier so that we don't sound woo-woo. Um, and so, but where my book differs is that um, I focus on the gifts of being an empath, and I want people to really, really be aware of their gifts because up until now, being an empath is like people think of it as a as a burden, as a curse, and whereas it's not. And one of the gifts of being an empath is that empaths are actually more intuitive than people who are not. So they are so you can be intuitive and not be an empath, but the thing about an empath is that they are extremely uh intuitive and if you have like out in the world if if people are um healers, if they are artists like really, really musicians, artists that come deep from the heart, uh, healers, um, certain teachers of spiritual work, um, people who are, who are able to attain deep levels of meditation, people who are clairvoyants, psychics, intuitives, all of these people would have to be empaths to be able to do what they do. And those are the gifts. And one of the mistakes that empaths make is because we feel the energies around us, we feel the energy of other people and the world around us, we sometimes lose our power to the world around us because we want other people to feel good because we can feel their energy, we can feel their pain. And so in wanting other people to feel good, we sometimes drain ourselves. What we forget is that we are also very, very powerful when it comes to connecting with source energy, with our higher self, with spirit, with source, with our guides. And we neglect that part, and that's how we lose our power, because empaths are the ones who really are have, um, are able to connect to that source energy more easily and strongly than those who are further down on the empath spectrum. And and right. so and they need to be reminded of this gift all the time because when they don't use this gift, that's when they get lost in this in the physical world and in the requests and demands of other people and that's when they start to lose their power. Whereas someone who is non-empath doesn't lose their power in other people because they don't feel the energies of other people as strongly. And so an emp- and, and, and because this world, because an em- empaths are not in the majority, they are a minority, 
the way I describe it is, let's just say empaths are six sensory beings, but this world is created by five sensory beings for five sensory beings. So in an effort to fit into this world, empaths have to end up suppressing their six sensory self and squeezing down to five sensories to fit in because it's so important to them to please people and to fit in. And so they're actually suppressing a part of who they are. Right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more. This is so incredible, and I'm so happy to have you on today. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with my guest, Anita Morjani. Sensitive is the new strong. We'll be right back. Practical Spirituality positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show. Welcome back to the show. I'm glad you could join me today for my conversation with Anita Morjani. And we're talking about her new book, Sensitive is the New Strong. The power of empaths in an increasingly harsh world. And that's for sure about being in an increasingly harsh world. And especially if you're feeling things more intensely than other people, what's been going on over the past year has just been a hellish experience. And I mean, how have you been handling what's been going on over the past year? I mean, has actually been, uh, you know, the fact that we've had to be kind of more sequestered, although people are starting to branch out, you know, a little bit now. Has it been easier for you to kind of just hunker down, you know, just you and your husband or how how have you felt? So, yeah, for us, um, it wasn't, we, we, it wasn't that bad. So um, one of the things that uh, I was, I guess, affected by more than, the COVID is the fear that people were feeling. So I had to kind of shut off all the, the news, everything that's happening on the news, because this, this is the thing that I uh, often talk about is that, is that um, the fear that's being propagated is huge. It's actually huge. And people don't always realize that how it's affecting us on an energetic level, that is actually the bigger problem. And um, so with people walking around feeling all this fear about COVID and fear that everyone else has it and fear about uh, whatever, you know, and being sequestered and being isolated and being alone, all of that contributes, and particularly if you're sensitive and if you're an empath, it even contributes even even greater. Um, So I was aware of that, especially after my near-death experience, I knew that what had caused my illness and what had caused me to die was the fear more than anything else and and getting my messages from this physical world. So this gave me almost an excuse, if you will, to really, really tune in to um, to source and to my higher self. 
And I was able to be really creative on a lot of projects. I wasn't traveling during this time. I minimized my watching of news and reports and COVID death numbers. And I just needed to stay tuned with uh, protocols of what I had to do. Like, what are the what are the rules? The rules were always changing. I did also have a little what I call a little COVID pod, a little COVID family that I developed um, with a couple of people where we made a commitment to, um, to, to isolate together, if you will. So three other families and us, so four households, we knew that we hadn't been sick, you know, in the, uh, for the last, like we started doing this in May of last year. It's when it started in March, um, we, I was fine for the first couple of months, and we didn't know how long it would go on for. But by May, um, a couple of us started to reach out with each other, and we said, okay, we haven't been sick. We're fine. You're fine. You haven't seen anyone. And so we created a little COVID pod. And so four households, we were meeting each other all the way through, and we supported each other, held each other. So that part made it a lot easier. Yeah, that is great. I mean, you were definitely lucky to be able to have at least a little group of people. And I think most people did something similar. I know I I have kind of a a similar little pod of just a few people, you know, plus my husband, of course, that I've interacted with. So that has made it easier, but it's definitely been very painful to not be able to visit family, not be able to go anywhere. I mean, I haven't seen my immediate family in over a year. And I'm, I'm hoping to see, you know, my brother very soon. So, you know, I mean, and we're all in that situation. I'm not unique in, in any of that. And, and feeling that pain and feeling that separation has has been, you know, the biggest challenge for sure. Um, let's grab yeah. a quick call. We have some people that wanted to chat with you. So while we have a few minutes, I wanted to get someone. So let's go to Sandra, and she's on line three. And Sandra, welcome to the show. You're on with Anita today. Well, thank you so much. Oh, my goodness, this is such an honor. I used to listen to both of you <laughs> yeah, on your oh, past wow. shows, uh, yes, for years. So this is an honor, and I've I've just so uh, related to every word that Anita has shared with us today because it relates to me and my life. Um, even last year, it was a year ago today that my employment um, closed because of covid and we went back to work June 1st, and everyone was terrified. They were so yes. scared. I work, in, I work in a casino. Oh. Yes, but I'm back of the house in hospitality in the hotel, so I'm not, you know, on the floor. But yeah. at any rate, the, the, I felt everyone's fear, angst, anxiety um, to the level that I didn't realize I was internalizing it because I didn't have the fear um, because I wouldn't give into the fear to control me because I don't fear death. Yeah. Um, Because I believe in the afterlife. So, but what happened was my body internalized it and I ended up with a a condition called telogen effluvium where you lose your hair and alopecia, and I'm like, why is this happening? <laughs> yep. And that, that's really what happened, being so sensitive. But through it all, 
I maintained my strength, and my hair is regrowing now. Oh, that's um, great news. Yes, absolutely. Good thing I had a thick head to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> thick head in a lot of ways, but being being sensitive has always been something that I struggled with because it did feel like a curse, and it did feel as though it's very uh, much genetic in my, within my family. But there is all it all has also raised the intuitive abilities to a yes. higher frequency. Yeah, um, and and what you bring up is a really uh, good point because even, I mean, if you're really sensitive and you don't always realizing realize it, but you are absorbing other people's energies around you. You're absorbing their fear at some level. Um, yes. So yeah. So you, I, Anita, highly... maybe. Maybe you could share just a, a tip or two for Sandra when she goes back to work and is surrounded by all those people, because you had some great tips in the book that would help her to, you know, mitigate that, those feelings. Yes. Um, so number one is to be aware that you have a tendency to do this, and that's really important because what we've done uh, up until now is people kind of uh, dismiss that thought and we and when someone says that they are experiencing this they they're told that oh you're weak and and they're told that it's all woo woo so we have to so one of the reasons why I'm so um passionate about sharing this message is because I want people to know no it's real it is really real we really do feel it in our energy mm-hmm. in our field and so it's to be aware and to know that you're not being high maintenance when you really do need to take a little break and so that's that's the first thing i would want you to know the second thing is that um you need to think what one of the things i talk about in the book is i think of myself as a like if you think of yourself as a battery like the battery on your smartphone and we want to keep that battery charged mm-hmm. and so when when we are doing things that are depleting our energy like when you're out at work and and you're meeting people and you're pleasing people and and so on these kinds of things are using your battery and it's not a bad thing or a good thing it just is it's um, just like when you use your phone it's uh, you, the battery gets depleted the thing that empaths need to be aware of are the kinds of things that deplete your battery may not be the same as the kinds of things that deplete other people's batteries so you need to be aware what depletes your batteries and it could even be that even though something is really, really fun, but it could still be tiring. And very often we seem to think that if something is super fun, that it's not depleting because we had fun, it's great, it's good for us. But for an empath to really charge their batteries, they need to be alone, not Mm -hmm. with other people, and they need to do something like either sleep or be out in nature or, you know, mm-hmm. sitting and, and grounding themselves, uh, earthing themselves on the earth, or something alone or meditating or listening to music. You can make your own list as to what charges your batteries. But what you are looking for is something that is um, giving your mind space because when even when you're doing something fun your mind is 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 
um, focused on something with other people. You're laughing, you're having dinner, and you're with other people. Um, when you're doing all, when you're working, your mind is focused on working. What you want is you want to give your mind a gap because empaths, as I said, we are, we have a very strong connection to source. Mm-hmm. And when we don't tune into source, we start to feel disconnected and fearful and we buy into all the fear of this world and we start absorbing other people's energies and that's when our battery starts to get depleted. So um, you need to do things that quiet the mind, whether it's sitting in a tub, soaking in a tub or having a shower or whether it's actually just going to sleep or, as I said, just sitting um, by the ocean or listening to music, anything like that. That is when source or your higher self or your spirit can talk to you and drop thoughts in your mind. And that is how you plug in. So basically, when your mind is quiet, it's the equivalent of of your smartphone charger being charged into a into a socket it's for you you're being charged to source and your um your battery is getting fueled when you quiet your mind and that's super important and then the other thing to be aware of is what are the things that deplete your battery faster and to me the things that deplete my battery fastest is fear fear based messages mm-hmm. that actually get to me that depletes me the fastest of anything and i suspect it's the case with most empaths which is why i turn off i don't i don't get glued to the to the news and all the covid I statistics mm-hmm. I, I don't either the, I, the first 2 weeks of march last year when you know all of this came out with all the restrictions, I just I had to turn off the television because it was making me sick. It was making me physically yes. ill, and I I was aware that it, I wasn't going to survive just the the lockdown, the shutdown, because I it, there was so much negativity coming at me, and there's so many unknowns. But so you have to stay true to to your own strength and find it to, and yes. stay grounded. And I found. Very early on, and my husband supported me completely. He was the same way, so that I'm was good. So glad. But, but it's hard to fit into the society that doesn't yes. feel as you do it, <laughs> when it you're the hard. odd one. <laughs> and people will say, people say to me that you're burying your head in the sand, and you're, you know, that you can't mm-hmm. do that. You need to know what's happening in the world. You can't shut off the news, and it's real, and you need to be out there advocating for people. And I'm like, no, if I do that, I will get sick again. I know, yeah. because I'm an empath. I absorb the energies. It's a real thing. And you really have to, to, to be able to, to do that. And this is why I want this knowledge out in the public, um, I'm as passionate as I am about getting this out there, so that people who do feel this way, um, which many do, will stand up and, and agree and say, no, it is a thing, so that we stop buying into the same reality as the ones who are okay with it and who feel we're burying our head in the sands. Because, again, as an empath, what happens is when someone says to you, oh, you're just burying your head in the sand and you're, you're um, anyone who escapes from what's happening in the world is not spiritual. Or, you know, there, there are people right. who will guilt you or shame you into 
not doing what you're doing. And, and as an empath, you will suppress what is right for you to please those people. Yes, that's and so that's, true. And that's how we lose even more energy. That's how we deplete our batteries. Yes. So that's well. You're that. gonna love the book, Sandra. I can't wait to 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 purchase <laughs> this book. I can't wait. This is the I'm most excited about this book than any that I have, and I can't even remember when. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, and I think that thank you're gonna you. get a lot of great information from this. And Anita's just given us a real gift for all of the empaths out there with this book. So I thanks thank so you. much for calling, Sandra. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you both you, of you. All right, be blessed. Thank you. That's so great. I'm so glad that she shared that story. And Anita, you brought up something really interesting that I I wanted to circle back to when you're talking about, you know, being able to get quiet, you know, and sharing that information with Sandra about how we can listen to that voice of the divine within, you know, and that's something that, that Unity talks about as well. And in the book, you share ways that we can reestablish this connection and i have and i have to be honest with you like i've really felt that disconnection you know especially over this past year where you know i do my usual prayers and i really i value that having that connection with god and with spirit it's something that's always really been comforting to me and you know lately i've i've really felt lost i've felt like no one's listening that there's there's nobody yeah. there, you know. I mean, what what would you think about you know ways to establish that connection again? Um, so you bring up a really important point, and it's one of my uh, frustrations with the persistence of this um, what I call this five sensory paradigm, because the more persistent the uh, the mass media, mass media, social media, news media, all of it uh, is about instilling this fear in us, you know, as they are more persistent, the more disconnected we become to our source or our divine self or higher self. And, and this is the problem. It's like the issue that we are having is because we are disconnected. The, hence, my, the title sensitive is the new strong. Sensitivity has to be the new strength if we want to move forward in our evolution because the, the problems that the world is facing is because we are disconnected. Because when you think about something like COVID, um, what in history has brought the entire world to its knees? There is nothing we know of, no one thing, no one incident that has brought this world to its knees. And this is my own, um, you can say, opinion or my own download. And this this is not in the book, but this is just me speaking from my connection to um, you know my own higher self is that the way we were heading anyway we were we couldn't keep going the way we were governments were more interested in killing each other i mean countries were more interested in killing each other than feeding each other we were competing by developing the uh, the most powerful nuclear weapons that's how countries were competing with each other we couldn't keep going the way we were going and if we kept going we were already at the brink of our own extinction nuclear weapons would have wiped us out it was almost like the divine this was a divine intervention 
to stop us on our tracks and change our focus. That's kind of what it felt like. But humans being humans um, and being the way we are, even though this was something to stop us, of course it was interpreted through a filter of fear. And as we are all running around feeling this fear, the more that we are in fear, the more that we are operating from a place of fight or flight or survival. And if you believe in the chakra system or if you know about the chakra system, survival, fight or flight is your base chakra. It's your root chakra. When you're in fight or flight, when you're operating from your root chakra, you are the furthest away that you can be from your um, from your crown chakra or your connection to the divine. So what's happening is while everybody is running around in fight or flight and in survival mode and operating from fear and their root chakra, we're not getting really any closer to real solutions about unity and how to bring us together and how to evolve in a more graceful and empathic way. We need to actually tune in to our higher selves, to our source. And if we all tuned in, if we all got in touch with our source energy, we could heal the world, heal ourselves, and heal the world very, very quickly. And so that's that's what I feel looking at the whole thing and the whole COVID thing. And so what I feel is that um, people need to actually help each other to um, to really get in touch with their, uh, to encourage each other to get in touch with their source or their divine self or their higher self. We need to encourage each other to be more uh, compassionate with each other, to be more empathic with each other instead of fearing each other or shaming each other. Um, We really need to completely change the way that we are emotionally, spiritually right now. The change has to come from inside. It's not from the outside. It's it's bigger than just vaccines and so on. That's right. what I believe. And this is, well, and, and I, I love what you're saying because this is something, I mean, doc, Dr. Dyer used to talk about this all the time about getting in touch with source and, you know, really listening to source energy. And you were able to describe your experience, you know, with source, and you mentioned it in this book too, and you talked about it in Dying to Be Me, when you were having the, the NDE, you know, the near-death experience, and you were able to be in that realm, you know, and you talked about something called a, a web of consciousness, you know, yes. the fact that we all are connected to each other, and we are connected to each other by source, right? I mean, yes. isn't that what's connecting us? Yes, we are all connected to each other. So here's the thing. We are all connected to each other. We're connected to each other by source. And so if, you know, if if we all change from the inside, we're affecting change to our outside world, to the web, because we're all connected by this web of consciousness. And so what has been happening up until now, because empaths, have not recognized that they are empaths. They've not recognized that they have a deep connection with source. Um, empaths have felt so sensitive, you know, so sensitive to the outer world, and the world has been, felt so harsh. Empaths tend to hide. 
we, and I shouldn't say they, we, we tend to hide. Empaths are usually the ones who are the shy, quiet, reticent ones in the room. And they don't take on leadership positions because they don't want all that attention or eyeballs on them. They don't want to have to please so many people. And so empaths have always been in the background. And as long as empaths continue to stay in the background, this whole web of consciousness will be ruled and run by non-empaths, and their way of doing it is through a more baser survival mode of fear and fight or flight. And then empaths, because we're empaths and we're sensitive to energy, we get sucked into that energy. The way to turn it around is for empaths to realize that If we want this world to survive, if we want to change what's actually going on, it's time for empaths to start taking leadership roles. It's time for empaths to speak out about the importance of connecting with the divine. It's time for us to stop being afraid of people thinking that we're crazy or woo-woo because going the way we've been going, it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked, and people are ready for more kindness and compassion and a different way of doing things. And we, as empaths, we do really need to um, start to to show people and teach people, or at, even if you're not ready to go out there and show people, we need to be it. We need to know that there's nothing wrong with us. The world actually needs us here and needs us to be healthy and strong and needs us to do what we do. Right. No, I love that. <laughs> here, and, here, and, you know, and, and have you. unite. <laughs> yeah, and just by being here and shining your light and not hiding in a corner, like you don't even have to go and speak to people, but just by allowing your light to shine brightly by charging your battery and not getting depleted, you're already contributing to the energy here. It's, it's, it's like when we allow ourselves to buy into the fear and become depleted and become sick, we then become part of the problem. We have to realize, no, I have to stop. I have to stop buying into all this fear and allowing myself to be sick and allowing myself to be depleted. So that that's really all an empath has to do at the yeah and it's and it means allowing yourself to shine and be happy and and so on right you know there's so much more that i wanted to so many other questions that i wanted to ask you and we just don't have enough time unfortunately and i wish <laughs> i could take some more calls uh, and heather from texas uh, calling in you're, you're the best i wish we had time to grab the call but we're just running short here but you know, I, I, I'd love to kind of wrap up on that note that, you know, look, empaths, if you, if you feel that this speaks to you, definitely pick up Anita's book and find out more. There's great information here on how to protect your energy, how to raise your light, how to really move forward fearlessly and know that this really is a superpower that you have. You know, so the book is available now, Sensitive is the New Strong. And also, real quick, I want to mention our virtual book tour event that we're going to be doing Saturday, Anita. And I'm so happy you asked me to be a part of this. I'm very excited (laughs) (laughs) to do this. So people can find out um, more on your website, Anita Morjani Events. It's Saturday the 20th, the Zoom event at 1 p.m. Pacific. And join us in conversation. We'll talk more and get into it a little more about how our sensitivity is our strength. And Anita, thank you so much for joining me today. You're the best. 
Oh, thank you, Diane. You're the best, too. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Laura Worcester, host of the Intuitive Life Podcast. As an intuitive medium and teacher working with the world of spirit, I love to share the peace that comes with the awareness that our departed loved ones are still with us. And I also love to help people explore what it means to live an intuitively led life. Start listening now on mindbodyspirit.fm or wherever you get your podcasts.